You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right. Well, here we go. Locked On Horn Frogs. Uh, I certainly thought it was a possibility that TCU would not make it out of this regional. I mean, Dallas Baptist is a good team. Oregon State's a good program. I did not think that by 5 o'clock on Sunday afternoon, I would know that they had been eliminated because they dropped an elimination game on Sunday to Oregon State, and that was after blowing a lead to Dallas Baptist on Saturday night. So, first let me say, before we start breaking down the ins and outs of this, uh, I'm really sorry for that group of seniors that came back and wanted to make a trip to Omaha. I know those guys um, put a ton of work in. I think they were great leaders. This team had high expectations. And I just I feel pretty gutted for Zach Humphreys and – Halen Green and Connor Shepard, Gene Wood. I, I can't name them all. Hunter Wolf, Austin Henry. But there's a lot of those players that said, yeah, let's run it back. Let's do it together. And just couldn't get it done. I'm glad that they had a moment uh, where they won the Big 12 tournament. And that was a championship moment for them. But I know that's not much solace today. When your season ends uh, much earlier than it feels like it should. Now, on to the nitty-gritty of this weekend. Uh, Man, baseball is a really cruel sport. It is. It can be. I I feel like if TCU, they were up 6-2 in the seventh inning against Dallas Baptist. Drew Hill did a really nice job in the sixth. He came out for the seventh. And the wheels started to fall off, and then they pulled out some more pitchers and it didn't work. And I will get to those those bullpen decisions soon. But I feel like if they find a way to hold on last night, I really like their chances winning one out of two against either Oregon State or Dallas Baptist and moving on to the Super Regionals. But they didn't. And they lost that game. They looked like a pretty uninspired team this afternoon. Which is understandable, given the way that they lost on Saturday at the same time. You got to bounce back and find a way to get it done. Uh, and they couldn't They couldn't do that. And today the issue was they just they didn't hit the ball. I mean, they had three hits. Three hits. Like, that's not going to get it done. Maybe it ended up being four. You know, Gene Wood had like a single that... Looked like an error to me, but I guess if they scored that a single, then it would have been a four. They just they didn't hit the ball today. You know, Porter Brown had been really good. He struggled. Um, Zach Humphrey struggled. Braden Taylor had a nice single, but that was about it. Zach Humphrey's had a double. Hunter Wolf had a tough day. Had a a a ball that was foul that if he kept it fair, probably would have scored a run, but it didn't. And Phillip Sykes had a tough day. He just not a good day at the plate. And the bottom of the order late in the season took a nosedive. I mean, 
Tommy Sacco, feel bad for the guy. Um, he's a good defensive shortstop. That did not show up this weekend. I understand that. He had some critical errors. And at the plate, I mean, he was essentially an automatic out. And the best at bat he had was today in the eighth inning with the bases loaded in the game tied. And he gets robbed of a base hit by a diving catch. So, in, okay, so in segment one, I'll just I'll talk about the team as a whole. And then in segment two, we will discuss the meltdown on Saturday and how that basically bounced them out of the postseason. And, uh, you know, I, I would have handled – I would have gone a different way with those those decisions late in that game. But we all knew this team was flawed, right? Like they have a lack of pitching depth. And it has been a frustrating year because they have been inconsistent. Back in March, they looked like one of the best teams in the country. And, yeah, hindsight being 2020, they swept Baylor. Baylor did not make the tournament. They swept Oklahoma. Oklahoma did not make the tournament. And when they played really good competition, they go and play Tech. They won a game Friday. Should have won the game Saturday, but they didn't, and then they got blitzed on Sunday. They went and played Texas. Same scenario. Could have, maybe should have won the game on Friday. They did not. Won the game on Saturday, got blitzed on Sunday. They did not have a third starter. Johnny Ray got progressively worse as the year went on. Back in March, he looked like somebody that could come out there and give you four or five innings and give you a chance to win games. That was not the case at the end of the year. So they had to scramble on that front. Um, And then they had that huge nosedive towards the end of the regular season. Lose that series to Texas. Lose that series to Louisiana in a row and then close the season, should have won the series against K-State. We all know what happened. They blow that lead in the ninth inning, and they lose two out of three in Manhattan, and that's what ended up uh, with them sharing a title with Texas. And then they go in the Big 12 tournament, and they have a great run, and they win the Big 12 tournament. And it felt like, all right, <laughs> maybe this team is right at the ship. They went 4-1, and one, you know, and they still ran into some problems at times with their pitching depth. But overall, they went – they won, they won four out of five games. And then this weekend, uh, they were great early. I mean, Friday night was a struggle, but they get it done. Austin Crowe was fantastic. Russell Smith battled on Saturday, gave them a chance to win. The bats came alive, hit a couple home runs. They should have won that game. They did not. And then on Sunday, they just were a big-time disappointment. So let's break down in this next segment. What went down in that game Saturday and how that really set them up to not give them a chance to win on Sunday. And we'll do that next. Before we do that, though, I do want to tell you about Rock Auto. Rock Auto is a great business, and they don't, they rarely disappoint, which is nice. Uh, you know, they get you the parts your car needs. There's more makes and models than ever before. And... It can be overwhelming trying to decide, hey, what do I want? What do I need? Rock Auto makes it as easy as it can be. Go to rockauto.com today. They are a small business. They take care of their customers. They shoot you straight. They're going to give you the opportunity to compare and contrast manufacturers, prices. Rock Auto, great selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. I, I didn't say this at the start, but I should have. Um, 
I'm gonna try to get. I'll try to get Eric Hughes on sometime this week. He's working the regional, which is God bless him and Jeff Smith and the other guys that are working in the booth. Uh, they still have games to do. <laughs> they got a game tonight, potentially a game tomorrow. Oregon State and DBU is going on as as I'm recording this. So I'm gonna try to catch up with him at some point this week, and we'll I'll, I'll let him share his thoughts. He's been very generous with his time. Uh, f- for me and for Locked on Horn Frogs, the podcast, and I appreciate him greatly. And, Eric, I'm sorry that you had to slug through some really tough games at Lupton this weekend, but uh, I appreciate you, man. Um, okay, so let's get to what happened on Saturday because that's when this whole thing took a turn. Um, so TCU's up 6-2. They scored a couple runs in the bottom of the sixth. Uh, or, excuse me, the top of the seventh, because they were the visiting team, technically, last night. Scored a couple of runs on top of the seventh. They added their cushion. They were up 4-2. to two. They scored two. They're up 6-2. to two. Drew Hill pitched a really good sixth inning. He comes in in the seventh. He walks the nine-hole hitter on five pitches. Not great. But he gets the leadoff man to ground out. It was a slow roller, so it wasn't a double play. But they got the lead runner. Okay, cool. And then next batter jumps on the first pitch and slaps it into left field for a single. So now you got first and second and one out. And, I mean, you know, they were starting to square the ball up a little bit on Drew. So I I wasn't opposed to Slosh coming out and going to the pen. It was weird, though, because the inning before, they showed who was warming up in the TCU bullpen, and it was Garrett Wright, and it was Halen Green. Garrett Wright had emerged as somebody who was a good option in these high leverage situations uh, late in the year. He's a strikeout pitcher, electric stuff. We all know who Halen is. So I figured though I figured he was probably going to go to Garrett Wright in that scenario, but he pulls Drew Hill off the mound and he goes to River Ridings, which let me be a hundred percent honest. When he did that, I wasn't super worried. I didn't think that was an egregious decision. River Ridings has been arguably their most consistent guy out of the pen all year long. I mean, he really hasn't had a bad outing. But you could tell immediately that whether it was the bright lights, the huge crowd, the big stage, he just didn't have it. He walks the first batter that he faces. He gets the next hitter to pound the ball on the ground, a little slow roller. And, hey, you're thinking, okay, there's an out. But Braden Taylor boots it, and now it's 6-3. Another base hit, now it's 6-4. So, you got to move on from River. Bases loaded, one out, it's 6-4 ball game. You're still in trouble here. And this is where I had a problem with the decision-making. You pull River out, and in comes Luke Savage. Luke Savage, another guy. Later in the year, he became a Tuesday starter, and they started working him out of the pen a little bit more. But he hasn't had a lot of experience out of the bullpen all year long. And now you're asking him to come in a huge situation with the bases loaded and one out. And you're suddenly, I mean, one one swing at the back can change the game. And it did. <laughs> Bases clearing double and it's seven six. Now to Luke Savage's credit, he worked he worked himself out of the rest of that inning. It stayed seven six. But the question that everyone's asked, 
is why did Halen Green not come in the game at that point? Or if you're not going to bring in Halen Green there, why not Garrett Wright or Marcelo Perez? I mean, somebody that has had a little more experience in these situations. And I think hindsight being 2020, it was also sort of weird to me. You know, River comes in the game. And, again, they've used River in a lot of different ways. He's pitched multiple innings before. So, he's not just a lefty-lefty guy, but usually if you if they brought him in in a situation where there were men on base, it was because there was a left-hander coming to the plate. So, it kind of gave him a chance because he's so tough on lefties to get an out. And then, okay, take a deep breath. Let's reset. And they brought him in to the point where there were right-handers, like three right-handers in a row in the lineup, I believe. So it was just it seemed it seemed like odd timing. It felt like if you wanted to bring River in in that situation where he was going to face some right-handed batters, you'd want to do it in a clean inning where you would have a chance to you know start the inning with nobody on base. So here here's my thought. Here's where I think the disconnect was. You know this team. We talked about it. They did not have much pitching depth. They don't. They just didn't. Don't, didn't, present, past tense, whatever. So, they they were supposed to win that regional. They were the favorite. But the way they were going to have to win that regional is by winning the first two games. Like, you had to stay out of the loser's bracket. Because your third starter was Chuck King. Your fourth starter was question mark. Maybe Luke Savage. Maybe Johnny Ray. Or do what you did in the Big 12 championship game and just kind of piece it together with your bullpen but you didn't have a lot of options so this was a critical game because if you found a way to win on Saturday night you could throw Chuck King on Sunday and then on Monday you know it wouldn't be your best option but you would have maybe Luke Savage or you would have the ability to say okay we're just gonna go bullpen by committee today and either Dallas Baptist or Oregon State would be down to their fifth or sixth starter so they'd be in the same situation. So it would be a pretty even playing field going into Monday. So to me, this was a must-win game. This was like a championship-type game. Because if you fell in the loser's bracket, if you're TCU with the arms you had available, you didn't feel good about that. And I think Jim managed and coached that game like he had some wiggle room. Because, yeah, I get it. You bring Halen in the seventh with one out, you probably can't use him the rest of the weekend. Maybe you can use him Monday. You know, maybe he's available for an inning on Monday. So I understand the, the caution there. But at the same time, if you lose this game, it's really hard for me to see winning that regional. You know, today before the Oregon State game, I saw some people mention, well, you know, they did this back in 2015. They lost the second game to NC State. They come back, they win three in a row. And I love that optimism. But if you look back at that 2015 team, that team, they pitched. That's what they did. They had a lot of different arms, led by Preston Morrison. But they had a number of guys that could throw. That lineup, they weren't mashing the ball. <laughs> they were getting singles. They were moving guys around with bunts. Like, that team was not scoring 10 runs in a game, generally, most of the time. A lot of their wins were 5-3, 3-2, 3-1, 4-1. I mean – they made their living with starting pitching in a good bullpen. So they were pretty equipped to win three games in a row 
down to their fourth or fifth starter. But even that team that was much more well-equipped to come out of the loser's bracket than this team was, the game they won to send them to the Super Regionals was against NC State. They were down 8-1 to one in the eighth inning. NC State had multiple errors, a balk, a lot of walks, a ton of free bases. I mean, NC State basically had a mental break. Like, Lupton Stadium got into a frenzy once that thing got started and got that team completely out of their game. That's what they had to do. They had to have like a one they had to have like a once in a generation type comeback over a couple innings to get to the supers. And this team's not built like that. So bringing in Savage, I just thought it wasn't the right call. And you know, in the end, that led to the disappointment on Sunday afternoon. Let's talk about Built Bar before we close up shop. Built Bar is the best tasting protein bar on the planet. Uh, if you need to pick me up today, which I do, why don't you try Built Bar? German chocolate, coconut brownie, lemon almond cheesecake, whatever it is, whatever your flavor might be, whatever your taste buds are, Built Bar can serve you and they will serve you well. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON15 and get 20% off your next order. Again, that's BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. All right, final thing here on Locked On Horn Frogs. Let's close out talking baseball, and then we might talk baseball one more day with Eric Hughes. After that, the rest of the summer, it's going to be pretty football heavy, which I know a lot of you are excited about that, and I am too. I believe, as I'm recording this on Sunday, we're 97 days away from playing Duquesne and Eamon Carter. Um, Jim Sloshnagel, A&M speculation, it's out there. He's publicly said he's not interested in any other jobs, for what that's worth. You know, Kendall Rogers from D1 says that Jim's their top candidate, them being A&M. So, I don't know what happens. You know, I think it'll play out in the last few days. Let me say, I, I, I've criticized his decisions today. And, you know, it's it's been, I think, relative to expectations, it's been a hard few years for TC Baseball. Missed the tournament, made the tournament, but bowed out in Fayetteville pretty quickly. COVID happened, and then national seed, win the conference, but bow out in three games at home. All that being said, I think Slosh is a heck of a manager. And I feel like if he left, that would be a big, big loss. I'm not one of these people that's like, see ya. Now, if he wants to go to A&M, Jim, thank you for what you've done. That's what you want to do. Obviously, well within your right to do it. But it's not easy to replace those guys. And as much as I'm disappointed in the early exit, he has that team competitive year in and year out. And I know that sounds really easy, but it's it's harder than it looks. It's harder than it sounds. So I hope he sticks around. But we'll find out probably in the next few days. And when it breaks, when it, you know, whenever, whatever the result may be, we'll break it down here on Locked on Horn Frogs. Again, TCU Baseball, I appreciate you guys. I know you guys worked hard. I know you're much as disappointed as I am, and as I know a lot of fans out there are, I know those guys are more disappointed. I understand the work they put in, and a lot of those players, um, you know, careers, at least college baseball-wise, are over. And that's unfortunate, but – 
thank you for some great memories. Uh, thank you guys for rolling with your baseball season. I know college baseball might not be everybody's bag, but it's something I'm passionate about, so I'm glad that you uh, tuned in and listened to me ramble on about it for the last few months. Uh, we'll be back on Wednesday. No episode Tuesday. We'll be back on Wednesday again three times a week in the summer. This is the Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.